You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Mary, I got to tell you, what I really wanted to talk about this morning was the Republican meeting at Mar-a-Lago and what a big fat idiot Donald Trump is. That's what I <laughs> I mean, when I woke up this morning, I thought, oh man, we're going to talk about that. But we can't because there's some really serious stuff going on. We may have mentioned before, some people may know, Sunday morning for Mary Jo and John, we both watch one in Cleveland, one in Chicago, meet the press, Chuck Todd, and we text to each other. We say a lot of smart things. The reason I bring that up is the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, was on, and Chuck Todd first asked him about what do you think about the possibility of uh, China taking military action in Taiwan, and would the United States respond militarily? I mean, I was eating my oatmeal, and I was like, what? What are we talking about? And then I put that together with, we know North Korea has done some further military tests, and then this morning, I'm reading how Iran has promised to retaliate against Israel. Israel, it's claimed, uh, blacked out, essentially, one of uh, Iran's nuclear facilities. And there seems to be confirmation of that. Here's, Here's where I'm going. Joe Biden is compared a lot to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, with some good reason. The rebuild, the rebuilding of the infrastructure reasserting the role of government in American lives. Roosevelt began with that. When we talk about the first 100 days, we're talking about financial reform, investment in the country. But Roosevelt, although he's remembered for his work on the Depression, is probably best remembered as a wartime president because the Second World War dominated the last years of his presidency. I'm wondering, with all the international threats we're facing, is this a problem for Joe Biden? Does he come in thinking, I'm going to do what it takes, overcome the COVID pandemic and to rebuild this country in his unfortunate phrase, build back better. (laughs) Build back better. Build back better. Uh, But it sounds like Peter Becky, uh, the Trump appointment, right? (laughs) But he could, in a very short time, be facing two international threats in the Middle East and in Asia that really could be the defining moments of his presidency. What do you think? Is it Monday? Are my pancakes having a bad effect on me? Am I too too crazy about this? <laughs> well, when we were watching Meet the Press yesterday, I think we texted each other like, China? Oh, no. <laughs> Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, no. You know, it's not that that isn't always a threat. Taiwan has been one of those ambitions since Chiang Kai-shek left China and set up the Republic of China uh, on the island of Taiwan. So it just wouldn't surprise me to see China decide we've had enough of Taiwan being an independent free country. And if that happens, John, what does the United States do? First, I want to say they have no choice but to defend Taiwan. On the other hand, are we going to go to war to defend Taiwan? You know, it's an odd place because it's now, and even was then, although it was a little authoritarian, like South Korea, Japan, 
a free country, a democratic country, and a country living on commerce. But it's a very small country. It's about the third of the size of Ohio. So it's as long as Ohio, but about the third the width. So that tiny little country depends for its existence on United States military support, as does South Korea. And to that extent, so does Japan. So if the United States doesn't defend Taiwan, does that then leave South Korea at risk against China and ultimately Japan. I mean, as a geostrategic matter, it's very, very complex. And I think I actually was watching on Vice last night about Hong Kong and how the Chinese have moved in to quash dissent there. And really, the world has just watched. And I think the people in Hong Kong are very disappointed that it wasn't worth taking China on to stop what's happening in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, as a you know, it's still like a bastion of commerce, but a bastion of freedom no longer. No, and I mean it's interesting to think because it ties the countries you're talking uh, together in the city. Right. Although very Taiwan big. is a small place in terms of land space, it's a very big economy. I mean, very big economy, which is interesting because the other places you mentioned, South Korea is a very big economy. If you're driving down the road today, look for how many Hyundais and Kias you see. This is a big economy. Japan, of course, is a very big economy. That has a lot of implications, I think, for China. Part of China's desire, and you're right, this is a historic goal, is emotionally the idea that Taiwan is a separate country never can ever sit well with the Chinese. Their feeling is that that would be like us. I, I don't know the comparison. Hawaii, New York City, uh, you know, that would never get out of our craw and it never gets out of their craw because in fact, Taiwan was kind of a separate civilization over states. It's society. And then China. That's right. You know, leaving mainland China when Mao Zedong and the Communist Party took over sets up this Republic of China. And always, even when I was there 40 years ago, they were like waiting to go back and take China over. I think they're over that now. But you want to, a comparison would be is like, let's say after the Civil War that Robert E. Lee and those folks had gone and moved to Cuba. And they said, we're really the real United States of America. We're just waiting to go back in time and history go on. And they develop a very successful economy with their slaves and all that. That's what it would be like for us. Like it would never, we'd never get over it. And the Chinese have never gotten over it. But the thing about the Chinese that are, is interesting, John, is they play the long game. So they, you know, they see the world in centuries and centuries. We see it in decades. So, you know, they're building these little islands out there in the China Sea. They are investing all over the world. They're investing in Africa, building roads, building companies. So they want to be what the United States was to the to the last century, they want to be for this century. One really big difference between China and the United States, freedom, liberty, democracy. They may have a kind of free, evolved communism, but they're still a very authoritarian country. And the, you know, historical political science question is, can you have the hegemony that the United States had by an authoritarian country, which China is? 
who knows? Yeah, who knows? And there's a lot more dimensions to that. I mean, the one that sits in my mind is remember that for many decades after the Second World War, the international community, at least the form of, of the United Nations, when they recognized China to sit, uh, I think, on the Security Council, the China they recognized was Shanghai Czech. And it was not until Richard Nixon, the opening of China, that finally we said, no, that really is not China. That's 1979. That finally China is recognized. And, you know, Taiwan is given kind of second class status. Then we see Taiwan as a separate country, not the group that's going to go back in and start ruling China again. But I think your question is such a good one because it brings us to this moment with Joe Biden, who's as an experienced foreign policy president as we've had since Nixon, actually. But does he understand today's world? That's a good question. What do you think? What biases does he bring? Because the other you know, area we're talking about on the Middle East and Israel, I think one of the problems with the American relationship Uh, to the conflict in the Middle East has been some very strong pro-Israel biases. That no matter what else happened, we don't like Iran and we always like like Israel. I know this goes on, uh, on delicate territory, but even for those of us who believe Israel should exist, we understand it, we understand the claim. For the last, what, 10, 15, 20 years, it seems like Israel makes that tougher and tougher. The relationship with the Palestinians, the intransigence, uh, frankly, all the things that I would put under the title of Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, and that has only been supported, I think, because of the Donald Trumps with this extreme bias of let Israel do what they want. And I, I'll conclude that with this. One of the questions is, assume that Israel did black out this plan. Did they tell the United States, you know, Secretary of Defense is there in Israel right now. Did they tell us? If so, did we give them the green light on that? If they didn't tell us, that's an even bigger problem. You mean you guys risked igniting a war and like you didn't bring your old buddies into it? I I think China is so complicated. But man, when you get into Israel, now you find complicated. um you know, in Iran, because I think Biden came in hoping to put the Iran deal back together. And if you're the Iranians, you're like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if we can trust you. And, yeah. you know, as many people have said, not that it was a great deal, but at least it was a deal. So you have, again, another part of the world with nuclear weapons, with Long memories, right? These countries, these peoples, these tribes, these religions have long, long memories. And it seems to be a problem that not cannot be solved without a moral reckoning. I'm just going to say it that way, that, you know, so much has been done, immoral has been done on all sides, us included. And how do you ever come to the table and say, can we put what we've done behind us and move together for a better future for our children? 
And I just don't see in my own mind how you get there. Now, Joe Biden is such a hopeful, optimistic person. And maybe along with Anthony Blinken, they can figure out how to do that. But in a weird way, the China thing seems easier than that, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it does, because there, there's been something going on in the Middle East that's been too little commented on, I think. There is a massive realignment of the Middle Eastern powers. Uh, and we've seen it specifically in the United Arab Emirates. But even though it's not totally finished, it's even in the Saudis, are all generally aligning themselves with Israel. Now, why? Do they suddenly like Bibi? No, they are aligning themselves against Iran because that in their mind is the, the real threat. So as we come into potentially a hotter situation, we have a whole realigned area. I, Antony Blinken understands it, I know. He certainly understands it better than I have, but complicated's a good word. And that gets a little bit crazier if Israeli politics, which cannot seem to come you know, to which party is going to govern, they have a new election every couple of months. If somebody feels that a strong nationalist push will win me the election, and that means let's launch the planes and bomb uh, an Iranian reactor, right. which Israel has done before. If you could have a government in Israel that could understand their really historic and critical place in, you know, bringing these different parties together, maybe maybe I'm too hopeful. Maybe I'm a little Biden-ish, but... Yeah. Okay, we do have to go. Before we leave, I just want to say it. No, Donald Trump is don't call loser. Uh Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.